I'm Linda Giuliano, and I'm the program director at Greenwich House, the Center for Resiliency and Wellness. Now, I'm talking to you today about in connection with Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes, the pandemic has disproportionately affected the health of communities of color. Uh, Non-Hispanic Black adults, 48%, and Hispanic or Latino adults, 46% are more likely to report symptoms of anxiety than non-Hispanic white adults, which is 41%. And historically, these communities of color have faced challenges accessing mental health care as well as medical care. When we look at children, while some children have benefited from changes like remote learning, others are facing a mental health crisis. So according to Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, prior to COVID, the data found one in five children had a mental disorder, but only about 20% of those children received care from a mental health disorder. So whether kids are facing trauma because of child abuse or loss of a family member or everyday anxiety about the virus and these unpredictable routines, they need even more support now. There was a 2020 survey of 1,000 parents around the country by the Anne and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago. 71% of parents said the pandemic had taken a toll on their child's mental health and 69% said the pandemic was the worst thing to happen to their child. A national survey of 3,300 high schoolers conducted in spring 2020 found close to a third of students felt unhappy and depressed much more than usual. And also, we looked at some ER statistics. Mental health crises are on the rise. It it demonstrates that from March 2020 to October 2020, mental health-related emergency department visits increased 24% for children ages 5 to 11 and 31% for those ages 12 to 17, compared with 2019 emergency department visits, according to the CDC. So those are numbers, right? They give you a a feeling of trend. Why is it important to especially treat mental health issues in children? With children, they're not yet formed. They're not finished. And so if we look at developmental milestones, the goal is always for early intervention and prevention as much as possible. But many of the ways in which children develop is through a series of experiences that are a blend of the ability to separate from their parents, to have mastery over certain experiences and learning tasks, and to learn how to socialize with others outside the family. And so with COVID and all of the instability that resulted with housing and jobs and schools, those little labs of learning were removed from children's life experiences at the same time that parents were being very destabilized. So a lot of the normalcy or the opportunities to to grow and learn away from the household had been removed. That's a good way to put it. A term I was coming across as I was looking at uh, what Greenwich House does, we hear the term trauma-informed care. Trauma-informed care is a lens. It's a way of looking at the encounter with a client seeking help. And this lens implies that the provider who could be a therapist or a psychiatrist or um, a nurse practitioner, that they will bring a certain mindfulness, awareness, and attention to the person coming in who's already experienced a trauma. And Mm. the goal is to help that person experience safety and a certain amount of control over the pacing of material that is shared. 
you will be sitting with someone who may be highly sensitized and triggered by sound, light, a word, how a question is asked. So the goal is to help promote a feeling of safety and respect and a return of control to someone who is already feeling powerless and out of control. There was a nice definition that I found for a trauma as really an event or a series of events that is life-disturbing so that the person is feeling that they have had a negative impact on their emotional, psychological, and spiritual life. So the goal is to help restore a sense of balance and healing. So trauma-informed is a commitment to bring that sensitivity and mindfulness to the work. Then there are many, many new skills under that umbrella term, if you will. So in mental health, we're hearing a lot about different techniques such as EMDR and eye movement Mm -hmm. desensitization reprocessing. You may hear something called CPT, cognitive processing therapy, which in integrates mindfulness. You may hear something called somatic therapy, which integrates a better or more focus on the body and body sensation as well as mindfulness. And we're still learning what works. And trauma is not a new term, but it is something that we are seeing more in our collective awareness. So a lot of the trauma work really did come out of the 70s and work with veterans and the Vietnam War period. And there was more more and more awareness around trauma in the 1980s in the mental health community, which included that diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. Do you think that the outlook on mental health issues has changed for the better? It seems that people are more willing or some people are more willing to discuss mental health than they used to. Or have we always said that? And does it remain still a little bit stigmatized in America? We're, you know, more gentle more gentle in our awareness now because of the global impact of this particular epidemic. It has Mm -hmm. affected every person. And I know for New York City, former First Lady Shirlene McRae had really tried to champion destigmatization of mental health through the program Thrive NYC. And so I think the goal was to really see therapy not as a demonstration of a problem or a flaw, but as a means of accessing your strengths to address challenges to promote recovery. And I know for all of us in mental health, I think we really try to help people see that whatever symptom they come in with was something done out of necessity to survive and that the therapy process is a learning and a growth opportunity to access the strengths again so that they can restore and recover, that what happens to you is not your identity, it is a situation, and your identity and what you're meant to do is so much bigger than that. You talked about mental health with children, but what about older Americans? They've been, well, all of us have been affected by the pandemic, of course, but it seems that older Americans have especially been affected because of the isolation factor as well. Yes. At the very beginning of COVID, there was such fear and such a limited supply of resources that we have to remember there was this time when medical providers were being pressured by circumstance to make painful decisions of whom to give a ventilator to. And I've had clients come in here and say, I'm old, but isn't my life worth saving too? 
And so there was this feeling of we have to go for those that we believe we can save. And I understand the pain of that kind of decision, but that was in the air. And I think for our seniors or older adults who may be on a fixed income, and may not have money for Wi-Fi or for a computer device. And then our senior centers were closed. And that was a very wonderful hub where people could have recreational activities, food, which is very important, and opportunities to interact. A lot of our seniors stay in an urban setting because it's easier to get around with their children Mm -hmm. have moved away or out of state. So there was a great distance that was also a challenge for a lot of our seniors who have children. And there are many seniors and adults who do not. And they don't have that same support network. Also, as we get older, sometimes we are facing being the survivor and we've lost members of our family who would have taken care of us. So they really did have a challenge. I'm very glad to now see that our senior centers are coming back. Greenwich House is so, I had no idea of the depth of the services that you offer. I was really surprised. Tell me about them. And I think you said it at the beginning about how you deal with people from childhood to a hundred plus. So Greenwich House is part of the Settlement House experience of care. So the intention of Settlement Houses in the early 1900s was to respond to whatever the community need would be. So as your community changes, then the services you provide change to reflect what it may need. So we are a organization that has always been at the forefront of what's happening in New York City. So at the beginning of this organization, it was to help immigrants assimilate into American culture. During the 60s and 70s, there was a response to heroin and crack and methadone. And during the late, well, mid, mid 80s to 90s, our response to AIDS, and we were the first program, AIDS Mental Health, to provide mental health services to those who are actively using. And now we are looking at COVID, and we're looking at our seniors, and we're looking at the Greenwich Village community with lots of children and a lot of seniors who are poor, continuing to try to provide that service that the community is calling for. And within that, the village in New York City has always been the place that people have come to to be self-defining. So there's a big emphasis on the arts here. We have a wonderful ceramic program and school, and we also have a wonderful music school that has art and dance and theater. We also rent space to Ars Nova, which is a theater in our lobby level that has beautiful productions. And we have senior centers, the older adult network. And we will be working on a workforce program to help people seeking vocational training. So we are really continuing to try to learn what does the community need from us and how do we provide it. Very impressive. To conclude, what would you say we should take away from our talk about primarily about Mental Health Awareness Month? We want to encourage people to pick up the phone or call a hotline. There are so many websites now available or talk to someone that you feel is a safe person to talk to that may connect you to services to know that we are all looking at quality of life, how to recover together, and that there are people really willing to have that conversation with you. You know, I often tell people, just have the conversation. You don't have to commit to the service, but have the conversation and know that we're here. We really want to be sure that as we go forward, that parents, teachers, the police, community centers, those who are those doorways, churches or synagogues or mosques, these are people who 
often the community members turn to and we want to educate those people to be on the lookout for signs of change and need for help. So if someone has had significant changes in in appetite or mood or sleep, that they're recognized and they seek help or someone suggests that they seek help. You know, as a community of healthcare providers, we continue to seek training, you know, and we had to rapidly switch face-to-face to telehealth during this time. And so Greenwich Health had to pivot and rapidly learn about telehealth and set up DoxyMe. Then we set up Zoom.us. And then we had emergency certification to the New York State Office of Mental Health to be providers of telehealth and then became permanent providers of telehealth and learned how to do computer skills ourselves. We made a big, big emphasis on trying to access more trainings because, as I said, we're still learning. We want as many skills represented in our team that can help people because everyone heals in a different way. What may work for one person may not work for the other. We've also increased our staffing here and we've also sought to diversify uh, the culture of our staff to be reflective of what our population also is coming in with so that we may have persons here who are more from the same community and can maybe be able to speak to certain experiences that someone may want to see in their provider. A therapist doesn't have to have lived the same life that a person coming to them has, but there are times when knowing there is someone from your own community there that can make coming into therapy a more easy transition. If somebody wants to access the services that you offer, what would they do? Usually what we recommend is just a simple one phone call to our main clinic. Our mental health services are reached at 212-242-4140, extension 251. And that first phone call will be received by a live person who will ask some basic information. For those uninsured, we also try to connect them to a community health navigator that will help them find an insurance they may be eligible for because it goes beyond mental health. You also want to be sure you have good medical care. And we will not turn someone away if they have an inability to pay, but we also try to empower them to get insurance so they have access to health care in general. What about web information if somebody would want to find out more online? We do have a Greenwich House Incorporated website, and it, it lists all of our programs, and we are in the process also of updating it. So the Greenwich House, just Google Greenwich House Incorporated, and you'll see all of the programs that also includes after school. There's an after school program, and we do a little summer program for children ages 6 to about 11 called Healing Hearts. And each year, there may be a different art form that we emphasize. So we have found theater arts to be really very fun and very helpful with children who may have been home and afraid to leave home or afraid to see their parent leave home or afraid to interact with other children. We did this last summer. It was great. And we will do it again this summer. And it's just an opportunity to restore a child's sense of play and magic and fun and help them be able to safely be in a beautiful environment where they can talk about things that are good and things that are scary and walk away feeling alive again. I think one of the things that has made trauma such a pitched conversation is it also is in parallel with grief. There were so many losses, both of routines and a sense of normal and loved ones. And we didn't have the rituals that carry us through grief, like the hospital visit or the the funeral or the wake or the mass. So I want to mention that the presence of grief is an important thing to note, and it has its own healing time frame. 
and to have hope. We've come such a long way. And while COVID may be here to stay, we're learning more and more about how to be with it. With mental health, we're learning more and more about how to do what we do even better. If we keep, keep things simple and kind, we have always come through helping each other through very rough moments. You know, when I think back to 9-11, when I think back to Hurricane Sandy, when I think back sure. to AIDS, these are opportunities when our scenes show of what has been injurious, they are also opportunities of healing and dialogue. So I just wanted so to mention true. that. I want to be sure there was a hopeful note here because yes. people want to heal and we can.